You're listening to the Neo Moré Show. My name is Thomas Daam. I'm at Vict Amsterdam. It's 21st of February 2017 and my guest is Mr. Bingo. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and I, I, I was just wondering, how's your world tour going? <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm not sure if it's a world tour, you know? Um, but it's going okay, yeah. yeah. I'm doing a lot of traveling and speaking in different yeah. countries and it's nice. It's good fun. There's certain aspects of travel I don't like. In fact, the actual traveling part of travel I hate the actual moving around from place to place like coming to Amsterdam from London was easy because it's yeah. just a train but I have a fear of flying I'm quite a nervous flyer oh, wow. and I take Valium when I fly and I drink and so when I go to places like Australia yeah. or um, Manila um, you know in the Philippines I drink a lot on the plane and I take Valium and and then I get jet lag and so for most of the time I'm in these countries I'm having this crazy amazing time but at the same time I'm really really tired and jet lag you know so it's, it's never quite as glamorous as people think when they say yeah. oh you're jet setting around it's, yeah, yeah. it's really amazing but that's yeah. also what you're like playing around with you know on Instagram or yeah on yeah yeah since your uh, Kickstarter campaign you are traveling more and more as a rapper, illustrator, and entertainer. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. What's the most exciting thing that you have encountered? Probably going to um, a midget boxing bar in Manila. Wow. Yeah, so so a girl called Rena um, on Twitter said to me, oh my God, you're coming to Manila, I'd really love to meet you. So she's someone that I think has a hate mail from me from the past, when she used to live in England, but I've never met her. I said, okay, great, can you take me to the most fucked up places that exist in Manila? And she said, yes. And she took me to a midget boxing bar in the red light district, and it was fantastic. So what's good about travel and connecting with strangers on the internet who can yeah. show you this stuff, you know, local people with knowledge on the ground who know that you like weird stuff. Yes, a normal yeah. tour guide wouldn't have taken you there. What, what was so special about it? Well, I don't know anywhere else in the world that has a midget boxing bar, yeah. you know, like a boxing ring inside a bar where you can drink and watch midgets boxing. And there's oil wrestling and all sorts of other stuff as well. It's kind of a bit wow. like a strip club, but not quite, not people stripping. Just that it's had the kind of feeling of one. It's quite well, bizarre, well, yeah. Because of you were touring so much, did it change the way you work or how you look at your own work? At the yeah, probably. I think, to be honest, I really love doing talks and I love the theatre of putting a talk together and making, telling a funny story about something you did. And so now, I guess everything I do in life uh, there's a little second extra thought going on all the time in the back of my brain. It's like, this could make a good talk. I think yeah. this might be good talk material. Do you write it down or just keep it in your head as a reminder? Keep it in my head, yeah. Maybe if it's a really good point that I think might make something good in the talk, I'll write it down. I yeah. normally write it in my notes in my phone or yeah. email it to myself or something, okay. yeah. The last four projects that you did, like the advert uh, calendar, they are really analog experience yeah. for people in real life. Yeah. Um, how did you discover that people like this? I discovered it in 2011 when I did the Hate Mail project where I basically asked strangers if they wanted to buy offensive postcards from me and they really wanted to and it was great and so you suddenly had these strangers were paying you, you got their name and address and then you sent them, you know, like you say, it's like an analog process, yeah. they received this thing in the post people love it you know because it's so different and um and post is so boring mm -hmm. and um kind of post most post is sad you know you get it's either a bill telling you you've done something wrong or um it's, it's kind of always bad news post you know and so it's people really really enjoyed actually getting something fun in the post yeah. and, so and weird and rude um so yeah from that i then when i did the kickstarter i offered loads of really odd rewards which involved doing stuff in real life so meeting people getting drunk on a train, going on a date with me, me doing the washing up around your house, um, 
stuff like that yeah mm. and I realized that people liked it and so now I'm everything I do is kind of based around those sort of ideas of yeah. interacting with strangers yeah. you get a really nice feeling from making strangers happy you know that's just a thing I think that's in everyone and so you can make people laugh on Twitter and that's one stage and then the next stage is that they can buy something from you and receive a personal funny thing that makes their life better and that's yeah. a really nice thing to be able to do so that that's kind of one of the main things that fuels my wanting to do this sort of work so it gives you a lot of energy yeah it's always doing everything for the reaction you know I know yeah. if I've done a funny picture and I put it on Instagram and a thousand people like it that gives me a great feeling and then <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay okay since the last two years you do a lot of um, presentations and performance on stage how did they evolve um, I don't know I think my talks are a bit like a kind of a bit like a portfolio of work so you have a certain amount of things you want to say and you're given 45 minutes or half an hour and then as your life progresses and new things happen you want to put those things into the talk mm. and then you have to take something out so I don't really I've, I've hardly rarely very sat down and gone right I'm going to make a talk which has beginning middle and end and a conclusion and it's about this it's generally mm. just my talks are generally kind of just there is some kind of story there of what I've done in the past but a lot of it's just what I've been doing in the last month or mm. six months or what I did yesterday you know Yeah. I like challenging myself and putting really, really new things in or trying difficult, trying to do difficult things that you're not sure if they're going to work or not. I don't really have any preparation to go on stage. I think I sit there and just get slightly nervous and then just go, fuck it, you've just got to do it, do it. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard it's good to stretch your body out and do big kind of gestures and yeah. hold your arms out and that yeah. makes you feel more kind of ready for stage. So you get a lot of stage. energy, really yeah, yeah, get I think all so. the materials in your life yeah. are like open. But I find with any talks... You're always, I'm always completely fine about it for every day leading up to it and then just before it I always feel like you're not quite ready you know you know there's someone on stage before you time's ticking and you've got five minutes left just before it's ready to do your talk and then someone gets up and is about to introduce you and you think uh, there's something in you that tells you you shouldn't do this like an intrinsic kind of gut reaction yeah. that says don't go on the stage this is yeah. not the right thing to do yeah, so you're very what do you do yeah or you need another five minutes but yeah. what would you do with that five minutes it never makes any difference yeah Yesterday was actually really good because I made the talk. Um, I spent about 15 hours on trains and places, kind of mm. making the slides fit for the, the format here. And then um, I got to Amsterdam station two hours before I had to be on stage with an empty keynote and then went to Wagamama's in um, the station, ordered a tea and then sat at the bar and in 45 minutes made the talk from scratch. So, I mean, so I knew the number of the slides and everything by just, you know, dragging them into keynote and everything. So um, you did that just before you Yeah, arrived. and so none of the people in the audience realized that how actually last minute some stuff is. And yeah. then turned up, gave it to them, and then, you know, maybe had like half an hour and then just went on stage and did it. And it, and I and I did it fine, you know, and yeah. I think sometimes it's easier if you're kind of rushed and panicked. So but maybe that's the thrill that you need to... Yeah, just keep busy, yeah. yeah. I think if you so sit around worrying, then yeah, it's, exactly. it's always oh, worse. Have to, is this yeah. on the right page? Yeah, or? yeah. So you can change, all, but the, the advantage of this is that you can um, edit into the, um, the mood that you are having. Yeah. So I can, okay, to, today I can totally rewrite my story. Not totally. I mean, it's <laughs> probably a tiny bit, but yeah, yeah I'd love yeah. to say it was that, you yeah. know, kind of. I guess what I, I want my talks to be really honest and it's just kind of like, it's just me and this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm feeling today and this is what I've done this week. And, yeah. you know, it's it's almost like, um, yeah, it's almost like a therapy in a way, like you're, um, You're constantly, what, what doing lots of talks forces you to do is constantly reflect on your life and think about what you're actually doing. Mm. 
Whereas if you didn't have to do these talks, you just you just kind of keep going on and on. You wouldn't stop and evaluate what you're doing. So yeah. it's quite nice for that, you know. You're actually vocalising. You know, I do a lot of projects, but don't really think about why I'm doing it. You know, mm-hmm. why am I sending a hundred strangers Valentine's cards? I just know it seemed like a fun idea. But when you do a talk, it forces you to actually think about it a bit more and you know and work out why you're doing this stuff and what you enjoy doing. So it's quite nice yeah. and saying it out loud. Yeah, you, know? you reframe every time yeah. the things that you have done. Yeah. So and one thing that I noticed in your uh, presentations is that you are doing more and more small data visualizations or infographics. Yeah. And, and I was wondering, did you pick this up during all your talks? Mm, I don't know really. Um, no, I'm not sure where I've got that from. I like hand-drawn graphs. I find them funny. They look funny, I think, you know, because it's just like a bit of an anti, like, neat graph. And it's really good. They're really good to show certain things. Like, I like showing the breakdown of what I spent £135,000 on. Because to say that out loud is sounds difficult, you know, to say, I spent some on this and this and that. And that. But if you actually just show it in a really clear graph with coloured blocks, yeah. people get it immediately, you yes. know. Then you make a joke. That's a French fry. Yeah, it does look like a French fry, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is a French fry. So. Yeah. But I think about this stuff a lot, you know. Like, I was thinking just in the shower this morning, when I say French fry, should it rotate and then land in a in a box of French fries? Or would it be better if it did that, you know? It's, it's probably fine as it is, you know, but... Is there an entertainer from Britain or from all over the world that inspire you to be the entertainer that you are now? I don't know, like really. Or I don't know. Um... I told you I didn't have an answer to this. Yeah, I know, but I'm inspired trying. kind of like by comedy, you know. So yeah. there's a lot of um, comedy I like. Like there's a comedian or satirical kind of guy called Chris Morris, who did a series called Brass Eye and a series called The Day to Day. And I'm inspired by kind of like quite old school comedy, like um, Monty Python's Flying Circus. You know, just the kind of silliness mm. of it and the kind of big bold animations and stuff. And but in terms of like performance, I don't know really what it is. I must have seen some people doing stand up and been influenced mm. by that, definitely, yeah. the yeah. way people do that. So I want to ask you like for five recommendations, beginning in the category of books, which book would you recommend everybody to read? This is a very personal one. Um, so I love walking. And I bought a book called A Philosophy of Walking, and it's um, a book that talks about how lots of the great philosophers in the world loved how much they loved walking, because it gave them time to think and explore ideas in their head that you possibly wouldn't get to if you're sitting still or at a desk or, you know, being kind of static. So that was a really cool book. Yesterday in the talk, you told that you are going to walk for... 50 plus days. 53 days, yeah, 53 days. without stopping, yeah, while well, stopping to sleep, obviously. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but uh, that's also like in preparation for this walk or? Yeah, well, I was just going on another walk. I just woke up one day in London and I felt a bit kind of like, I felt a bit claustrophobic in my little flat and thought, I feel like being up a mountain. I wonder how quickly I can get to a mountain. And I booked a train and then 24 hours later, I was up a mountain in um, uh, the Yorkshire Dales, no, the Lake District. Um... And I bought a book to take with me on that trip as well, which is The Philosophy of Walking. Yeah. So it was really nice. I went went walking and read the book about walking. Very kind of complete. Yeah, 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 yeah. it felt it's very good. in the circle, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, next is um, event or conference or festival that you... FITC. <laughs> no, I, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a conference I like more than the others, I guess. And uh, food? 
um, what's my favorite type of food or yeah. which restaurants do yeah. I like in the world? Or, yeah. I mean, yeah, it can be both. I'm one of these weird people that um, well, my family thinks it's weird. People from New York probably wouldn't think I was weird, but I don't eat at home. So I eat out of every meal, basically. Okay. And that's just how I choose to spend waste of my money. <laughs> I just feel I have a life where um, cooking at home doesn't really suit me because it involves going to the supermarket, learning to cook, yeah. uh, making the food, then you eat it in 10 minutes and then you wash up and it's kind of like, it feels like half an evening and I don't I don't want to spend half an evening yeah. doing that. I could be doing something better. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I eat out a lot. And then do you have regular places where you go? You yeah. You have to tell us, but you know, you have like, like yeah. on Monday you go here and then on Tuesday there and then it's like not the same every week but yeah if you eat out that much even in London you find you have to repeat quite a lot ah, okay. <laughs> yeah yeah okay that's interesting but I love food you know so like wherever I am in the world I'll look up the best places to go movie or television um, okay so I only watch documentaries which okay. is quite a kind of um, uh, pretentious artist answer mm. but I seem to only watch documentaries I don't know why um, and What's a really good one I've watched recently? There's one I really enjoyed called uh, Pre Precinct 57, and it's about corrupt, um, like bad tough guy cops in New York in the okay. 80s, I think, okay. when, the, when it was really rife with corruption and mm -hmm. loads of the police were just cr criminals themselves, basically, going in to bust um, drug dealers and stuff and stealing all the money and doing all this underhand stuff. And It's a documentary about that and it's really good. And where did you see it on BBC or...? Um, I think just on a sort of general release. General, you know, I think yeah, I... Yeah. yeah, I saw it at the cinema. So there's a documentary cinema in okay. London, which I really recommend if anyone likes watching documentaries. It's called Bertha Doc House and it's in Bloomsbury in London. And it's, a, as far as I know, the only documentary cinema in the UK, maybe even Europe, I don't wow. know. So it just shows Didn't documentaries. Um, and I saw it there first, yeah. And I liked it so much, I bought it. Um, finally, something about your life, a miscellaneous. Drawing, everyone should Drawing. draw more, it's amazing. And it's so it's like an instant satisfaction because you know lots of other activities and things take hours before something maybe pleasing happens. But if you draw, as soon as you make a mark on the paper, like I find it pleasing to actually draw something and then look at it. I enjoy the process of it and I enjoy the fact that you can make something so quickly. You, know, mm -hmm. you can do a drawing in 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I recommend everyone should draw. Okay, great. Wow, we should immediately start. <laughs> yeah, where's the pens? Where's the pens, yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's Mr. Bingo talking with me, Thomas Dam. You can find more episodes of the Neo Moray Show wherever you get your podcast, on SoundCloud, iTunes or on our website neomoray.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook as Neo Moray. And if you are enjoying the Neo Moray Show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps others to find out about the show. Thanks for listening and I will be back with more very soon. The Neo Marais Show is brought to you with the support of Tabletto. Tabletto is a typographic game with which you can design any letter form or number in all languages. Besides making type, you can use the Tabletto shapes to make whatever you like. Check it out on tabletto.nl and get 10% off on checkout using promo code NEOMORAIS.